Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to Luke chapter 2. That's our passage today. Luke chapter 2. God with us brings peace. That's our theme from Luke chapter 2. You know what? Could you just bring this microphone down a little bit? It's a little bit too, too much. Because I'm going to start yelling at these people pretty soon, and I don't want them to run out. No, just kidding. No, that's not true. Okay, here's the key concept for today. Peace on earth comes with the gift of Jesus. Peace on earth comes with the gift of Jesus. We're talking about peace, the gift of peace. Peace on earth is all through the Christmas story. And as we hear those words close to Christmas this year, our world is filled with anything but peace, right? Almost every continent is in turmoil or has some pockets of turmoil going on right now. Just watch the news. It's amazing. Anywhere in the world, and you can see warfare and struggles and rebellion and protests, it's all around us. Peace is what we lack. And in some places, it's out-and-out violence. The images of peace and warfare don't seem to go together. It's hard to talk about peace and see struggles like that. It takes my mind back to World War I. In World War I, 1914, Christmas came in the midst of brutality. Because in World War I, of course, the, the, the Allies were fighting the trench warfare, and life in the trenches was brutal and gruesome. But something remarkable happened Christmas Eve, 1914. Peace broke out in the trenches. The soldiers sang Christmas carols to one another across the destroyed no-man's land. They found that they knew the same songs, even though they sang them in different languages. And then early on Christmas Day, 1914, German and Allied soldiers crossed the battlefield, shook hands, exchanged small gifts, and played a brief game of soccer. Peace broke out in the midst of war. This is what it might have looked like. I want to show you this. Let's watch the screens. Jenkins. Okay. Nine. Oh. Uh-huh. 
Jim. Mein Name ist Otto. Please meet you, Otto. Freut mich. Rose, she's gone. Schön, Mann. Schön. That temporary Christmas truce was never repeated. Peace broke out in a powerful way there in the midst of war. Today we're going to focus on the message of the angels who speak of peace. Follow along as I read, starting in verse 8 of chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke. And there were shepherds living in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. The angel announcement begins with, fear not. And I think he absolutely needed to say that because the reaction to an angelic appearance would be fear, wouldn't it? Imagine the darkest night you've ever experienced, the quietest hillside out in the country, no noise from a nearby highway, no lights from a nearby shopping mall, no music blasting by cars driving down the street. Just all around you, darkness and the sound of sleepy sheep. And you're starting to struggle, thinking to yourself, how am I going to stay awake and watch these sheep when suddenly, wham, the brightest light you've ever experienced is shining in your eyes and there's a figure in the middle of it speaking. Of course, he had to say, fear not. Who wouldn't be afraid? The shepherds weren't accustomed to being contacted by angels. You can imagine confusion, chaos, all kinds of fear. Now, it's notable to me that the religious elite 
that are conspicuously absent from the announcement of the birth of Jesus. Those who would have been considered by the everyday person as the, the expected ones, the holy ones, the religious ones, they are left out. They are not welcomed at the holy ground around that manger, manger but the shepherds are. And the announcement to the shepherds is that God's favor rests on them. Not according to human standards. His favor is on all who are humble and acknowledge their brokenness and their need. The angel appears to shepherds. And the fact was, their reputation at this point in time was not all that great. Shepherds were no longer welcome in polite society. Shepherds were not able to give witness or testimony in a court of law. They were considered somewhat ruffians not really to be trusted. But I hope you note that Jesus' arrival and His entire ministry brings restoration to shepherds. He often uses shepherds as an example of what is good, not bad, in His teaching. And He Himself calls Himself the Good Shepherd. So the Christmas announcement comes to shepherds, and it starts with the words, Fear not. And that's what we need to hear as well as we face Christmas once again. For you who are afraid to be alone, fear not. You're never alone. God is with you. For you who are afraid to cope with the pressures of life, do not fear. Jesus offers you abundant life filled with joy. For people who are afraid to die, fear not. In Jesus, you can have everlasting life. And once you take the fear of death off the table, it brings peace that passes understanding something the world simply does not understand. Fear not, the angel continues, I bring you good news of great joy. Listen up, shepherds. This is something that you're going to hear. You will want this news. And in saying that, he addresses a subtle secondary fear. Because I'm sure the secondary fear when you are faced with a messenger from God is that the news is going to be bad news, right? I don't expect it to be good news like sitting in a classroom and having somebody hand you a note that says the principal wants to see you. You don't automatically think, well, she must want to congratulate me on my grades. I'm doing great. No. Or when you're driving down the street and you see flashing lights of a police car behind you and you're told to pull over, you don't, want, you don't automatically think to yourself, well, obviously he's going to come tell me how great I'm doing driving on his streets. No. We think, I'm in trouble. Like, I'm caught. I'm sure that that's what the shepherds thought. I'm busted. God was watching. And he was. He knows what I did. And he does. We're right to fear the judgment of God, but that's not what this message was about. It wasn't a judgment message at all. It was a message that was good, a message of hope. And the angel continues in verse 10, it's for all people. You are included. This phrase overcomes that subtle fear that they're going to be left out. Fear not, it's good news for all. It's not based on your class. It's not based on your occupation. It's not based on your educational level. This is good news for all. Good news knows no boundaries. Good news sees no borders, sees no racial distinction. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter the language that you speak. This is good news for all people. 
The good news is good news for those who feel worthless today, for those who are lonely today, for those who feel dirty because of what they've done, for those who are looked down on, and for those who are filled with questions and doubting all of this. Still good news if you listen. The good news is for those who think they know it all and have it all together, you still need this good news. And for those who are trying just to hang on, it's good news for you as well. It's for all. It's simply amazing to me the length to which God goes to prove that the message of hope in Jesus is not a message of religious business as usual. He breaks through all the stereotypes and all the systems. Think of it this way. The birth of Jesus was announced to shepherds so that they could be witnesses of the coming of the Messiah, shepherds who were not able to give legal testimony in the system of the day. That's the who heard about the birth first. And the resurrection of Jesus is witnessed by women who were in the exact same legal status, not able to give testimony in a court of law. And it's almost as if God bookends the life of Jesus with these two situations as an object lesson that says, this is not about the routine of your religion. This is not about the man-made systems and the hierarchies that you establish. I am doing something very different. It breaks through the boundaries, and it's for everybody. And even in the early church, we see it is first those who are obviously downtrodden, the needy, who respond to the message of hope. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 says it this way, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. Some, sure. But the vast majority who had their need met had it met because they knew they were needy. They sensed their need. This gospel message is hope for the hurting. And so God enlists those who are in the most downtrodden places of society to be his witnesses. It's for all people, shepherds, even for you. In fact, especially for you, because we're sending you. I've come to tell you in a special way. Don't fear that you're going to be left out of this good news. And in verse 11, they say, he says, the good news in a nutshell, it's this. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. That's what the announcer says, that single angel speaking from the light. It has happened. The Messiah that you looked forward to, the anointed one, Christ, he has come. And he's in Bethlehem right now. God the Son himself has come as our Savior. I reflect on that. I've shared this with you before, but um, one of the most profound Christmas cards I ever received tells that story. In fact, I consider it to be kind of in my life the Christmas card. It came to me a few years ago, but it says this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a Savior. Christ came to make that message 
perfectly clear. You need a Savior. He died to make that salvation perfectly available. And he conquered death and rose so that he can draw you to himself. The purpose of Christmas is salvation. A Savior has been born to you. Peace with God is found in a relationship with that Savior. And the angel says to the shepherd, and you will find him. You have a role to play in all of this, shepherds. You have a part. You will be witnesses that all of this is true. You'll find him if you seek him. So go and see. God does not leave his good news without a witness. The shepherds, the baby, hear that the baby has already arrived. You can find him and test this and see that it's all true. And as you go and test this and see that it's all true, shepherds, you are doing your part. You have a role to play. Witness what God has done and then rejoice in what you see. And that's the message to the shepherds and to us. But then we learn in the, out, in, in the unfolding of this passage that that angel spokesman is not alone. All of a sudden, a host of angels, a bunch of angels show up with him, all wanting to get into the act of the birth announcement, and they speak a message. You get a sense that they're speaking in unison. The message of verse 14, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. The message of the group of angels is peace to men on whom his favor rests. But what does that mean? Right? And secondary question. Why does verse 14 here in the NIV sound different than what we hear quoted by Linus on the Charlie Brown Christmas special? right? That's what we all want to know. doesn't sound like that on the Charlie Brown special. True story, I was once in a meeting, and the man who was speaking was an author and scholar, brilliant man. He, he grew up Jewish, and he came to Christ as a student uh, in college. And he said, I made my way all the way to, to being a student in college, and the only words I ever heard of the New Testament were these words, that little speech from Linus because we watched Charlie Brown's Christmas special every year. But it was those words that kind of got into his heart and encouraged him to check out Jesus more profoundly. And so as a college student, after hearing those words, he decided to read the Gospels for himself and came to Christ. But the words that Linus says are worded a little differently than the words that I just read you, and I want to explain why. But first, let's just kind of go phrase by phrase. The angel group starts by saying, glory to God in the highest. It means in the highest places, in heavenly places, God is receiving glory for who he is and for what he's doing right now. And what he's doing right now is bringing peace to earth. But for whom? That's the question. Because Linus in his speech in, on the Charlie Brown special, quotes the King James Version from 1611. It, it, it kind of sounds like this, it's a very general statement. It goes like this. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's the phrase. 
We're used to that. We hear that every Christmas. But it sounds very general, doesn't it? It could be read as an announcement of peace for everybody, kind of like a parallel to John 3.16. God loves the whole world. God offers peace to the whole world. But the thing is, every single modern translation of the Bible since the 20th century translates it differently. The NIV says, to peace to men on whom his favor rests. The RSV, peace among men with whom he is pleased. If you have a New American Standard Bible, it's very similar. The English Standard Bible is very similar. These modern translations are different. It sounds in the modern translations that that offer of peace is a little more narrow, that the, the constituency for which this is brought is a little bit more, more restricted. Why is that? I'm going to take you into the weeds for a moment. I'm not going to keep you there very long, but I want you to see from chapter 2, verse 14 of Luke, why it is important that we need to do continued scholarly work interpreting and discovering ancient manuscripts. You see, since 1611, when the King James Version was produced, much discovery and research has gone into manuscript analysis. And the scholars now think that the King James really isn't the best translation. Let me show you why. I want you to see a slide with the Greek translate with the Greek uh, wording. The top Greek is the, a quote of the manuscripts that went into the 1611 translation of King James. The bottom is what the modern uh, usage manuscripts look like, okay? And you can see the difference. I, I highlighted it in red. The difference is that letter sigma on the end of the word iodicus. Uh, that means pleasure, delight, or favor. Now, smart people who write books say that that little change changes the sense of the sentence from a general statement of peace and goodwill to all mankind to a statement that says God's peace are for those who are people of God's goodwill and he gives them peace because he is pleased with them. They are in his favor. In other words, the goodwill refers to the good pleasure or the goodwill of God. So the angel's announcement of peace is not a general statement, Christmas means automatic peace for everybody, but rather it's a statement that says this, the monumental event that God is doing, God the Son coming to earth, is cause for God to be glorified in heaven and peace to be offered on earth. And those who respond to the offer of God's peace are considered favored by him, and they gain his peace. See, right from the start, the angel's message recognizes that the offer of peace will need to be responded to. Jesus is going to call people to make a choice, to make a decision. It needs to be chosen. And when chosen, God's favor is granted and peace is granted as well. So a choice is called for. So the question is, how peaceful has your Christmas season been? We'll move out of the linguistic weeds for a moment and recognize that peace is offered and peace needs to be chosen. But sometimes if we were really characterize our advent leading into Christmas weeks, we wouldn't choose the word peace to describe them. We'd choose maybe busy we choose hectic, we choose frantic, maybe more so. 
as the time goes on. And maybe it's because we have an overloaded schedule that robs us of peace. Or maybe it's because of a relational conflict that robs us of peace. Or maybe a problem at work or or an illness or a lost job or some other kind of loss. You name it. For many of us, peace sounds like a great idea, but it seems far off. If only we could feel this peace that the angels are talking about. It's a choice to trust the Prince of Peace. It's always been a choice. If you find yourself in that situation, let me encourage you that Jesus shows up in the storms of life that threaten our peace. When we choose to turn to Him, He is there. When love seems lost and the way forward is unclear, that's where He will show Himself strong if we look to Him. Do you remember the the story of the disciples in the boat of the Sea of Galilee? And a sudden violent storm blows up as they're out on the water and their boat is taking on water and they're terrified. And the Gospel of Mark puts it this way, saying, and a great windstorm arose and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. Jesus was sleeping. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And if you were to fast forward to verse 41, it says this, And they were terrified. And they asked, Who is this? That's the right question. He's the Prince of Peace. The disciples sound like us, don't they? They sound like us when things aren't going our way, when things aren't looking good. We're quick to cry out, God, don't you care? God, aren't you paying attention? Don't you realize that this is an important situation? Things are going bad. And we begin to spiral down into the storms of life. But in reality, the Prince of Peace is there. He's always present. He always knows the things that we're facing. He sees beyond the winds and the waves of the circumstances that we are in. And the power of His peace is not diminished by our storms. We must allow the power of His peace to fill our hearts. And when the power of His peace fills us, what we experience is calm and courage, hope. How do we get the power of His peace? We get it through prayer. It changes us on the inside, and we experience the power of His peace. It comes as we worship and remember that He is ultimately worthy and always in charge and sovereign and mighty, and the power of His peace descends on us. The power of His peace arrives as we fellowship together, as you encourage one another, as you hug and and handshake and, and wish Merry Christmas, and you know that we're together in this. The power of His peace through the bond of the Holy Spirit is felt. The power of His peace comes as we look into the Word. And as we flip through these pages, we review what God has done and how He is able and what He will do again. You see, the Prince of Peace has the power of peace in His hand, and He's offering it to us if we would choose to turn to Him. So let me encourage, use this final week of Advent to look to Him when the winds start to blow and circumstances start to swirl out of control that He will be your peace. I pray that He guards your soul and He fills your spirit with something that we've already heard about this morning, but 
is new to our ears oft times, and it is shalom, the Hebrew word for peace, a rightness, a stillness, an absence of struggle, but a sense that all is well. The Prince of Peace can rule your heart. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for reminding us that things are never out of your control. We, like the disciples, oftentimes worry. We fret. We think that maybe you're not paying attention. But you always are, and you're always able. So, Lord, help us to be the ones to understand rightly that we must choose to turn to you to find the peace you offer. And when we do, Lord, reassure us with those words. You have it under control. All is well. And we can be at peace. And Lord, we are so thankful for that truth. For we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The team is back to lead us in a closing song. Would you stand as we sing? Pastor Mark's sermon reminded me of a song about that peace be still. And it's the song said, when the Lord says peace, there will be peace. We want to leave you with all as well so that it will take you through the rest of the week. today and there is a concern for prayer in your life, something you're facing or experiencing, 
We have prayer counselors next to the organ by the prayer table after every service. You can slip forward and lay your burden down. You don't have to carry it out with you. They will wait and they will pray with and for you. But first, let's all pray together. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the reassurance we find in you. Thank you for the hope and thank you for the purpose we have to live in such a way to represent your glory. These are the days, Lord, in which we tell the story of your coming. Help us to tell it well and help us to live as good and faithful witnesses to all you've done for us. Dismiss us with your blessing. Use us in your praise and glory, we pray. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.